It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to the New European Podcast. My name is Richard Porritt and I'm joined by Steve Anglesey. Hello, Snowflakes. Hello, Richard. Hello, Steve. How are you? I'm very well, I'm happy to say. But I'm, I'm obviously, I'm, my thoughts, our thoughts are with people who are not well, including the Prime Minister. Yes, so. of course. And I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just writing a piece, actually, about how um, encouraged I was by the, um, the, the sort of good wishes that were sent to the Prime Minister because, you know, it's one of my things that I bang on about all the time, you know, that this country seems to have forgotten how to agree to disagree. Um, but, you know, there was the odd outlying nincompoop, wasn't there, on, on social media who, who, who said some pretty bad stuff. But I think, by and large, people sort of said, yeah, you know, might not agree with him, but don't want him to be in hospital either. Well, including the mayor of Hena, um, <laughs> which, uh, in, um, in, which is near Nottingham. I think it's in Derbyshire, isn't it? But, yeah. Um, but, yeah, yeah, she didn't cover herself in glory. But she did provide Keir Starmer with a, a uh, quite... Quite an easy win, didn't she? Um, and she quickly lost the Labour whip, which is, you know, as good as being expelled, isn't it? So, it is yeah. really, and, and like you say, an, an, an easy win for Keir and a chance for him to flex his muscles a little bit, which is always good to be able to do when you're first in a new job. Yes. Well, we can talk about Keir Starmer in a minute, can't we? We can indeed. Well, we've learned some things this week, though. We have, but first... I need to um, I, I need to tell people that we will we'll be doing the news, but of course, oh gosh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> but if you are coming here um, just for your news, then what I would say is probably check in with some other providers. Um, perhaps um, I don't know the new European website would be good. I think just keep in touch because it's changing still. You know, you will probably know that the Queen made a statement if you're only coming to us. For example, yeah. so I would just, I would just keep keep your eyes on the news. Maybe just until we're out of lockdown, don't just take us as your only news source. Then you can no, go back imagine, to doing. Yeah, imagine if you were, you know, imagine if you you like many people, you just you didn't look at any news apart from you got all your news from the New Europeans podcast, and then you know we'd have the rest of us would have been in the pub for a week. <laughs> and you'd still be sitting there, and then, you know, in a week, you'd find out that it lockdown had ended. That is anyway. a very good example of why you should, you should, you know, look to the look to the website and to the printed product to get your news as well. And maybe have a mm. listen to the Today programme for 10 minutes. Um, yeah, you know, in the, especially in the, now John Humphreys has gone. In the morning. No, you, you're still mean about poor John. Um, and then good. we will, of course, crown 
a Brexiteer of the Week. Um, we will. Uh, but, but, Steve, do you want to kick us off? Well, we learned, we've learned two important things this week, if nothing else. One is that, well, we knew, we knew that Matt Hancock's nickname was Hat Mancock. <laughs> yes. Well, that was, the, that was the nickname that we gave him. Yeah. Um, but he's got another nickname. Yes. And do you know what? Fun, we, we, fun, funnily on. enough, on um, when when Boris was taken in, when Boris Johnson was taken into intensive care on uh, was that Monday evening? I think, yes, I, I, think I, was. I was sort of scrambled to try and find out some more details and rang pretty much every contact um, in Westminster I could, and no one was saying a great deal, which is understandable. But I did manage to speak to someone. Um, who worked at, uh, well, actually, I'm not going to tell you what department, but it was someone who worked in one of the departments, reasonably high up, who did actually refer to him uh, with that name. So it's not just the Sunday Times, uh, you know, it's clearly, it's clearly something that's floating around Whitehall and Westminster. Good. It's brilliant. I mean, if you didn't read the Sunday Times, they were talking about how Matt Hancock is in, being seen as sort of grandstanding over this plan to test hundred people a day by the end of April. Um, it didn't. I think they're saying that it, people people in number ten um, are saying that it had very little to do with him. That idea. It wasn't. It didn't come out of the, the department of the health the department of health. It came out of number ten. Um, and uh, one of them told the Sunday Times there is not much love for Matt hand job round here. <laughs> I mean, it is a good nickname. I prefer. It's a great. I prefer Matt. Hat, you know, Hat, Hat Mancock. Hat Mancock. Is so I think right, that le- it leaves. Yeah. It le- yeah. It leaves leaves a little bit to the imagination, whereas the other one perhaps not so much. And then the other thing that we learned is what Nigel Farage dresses like at home. Yeah, this is fantastic. Because he did a Facebook live, <laughs> live from his, live from his sofa. I mean, we, should we talk about the the. What is the surroundings first? Yeah, yeah, please do. He was on a sort of a brown, I couldn't really tell whether it was brown leather or just very worn black leather sofa, but you knew that he had a leather sofa. It had a big Union Jack cushion on it. I bet that, and then sofa's, behind him, I bet that sofa's seen a few buttocks in the moonlight. It, it has, yeah. <laughs> and then behind him, I'm quite sweaty, you would imagine. Imagine get, you could get stuck to that quite easily, couldn't you? Oh, yes, um, yes. And then behind him, it looked like he had a dead gerbil in a jar. And I thought, <laughs> that's, you know, that's the sort of thing I imagine that he would have at home. It was but some kind of greetings card or something, wasn't it? Some kind of greetings <laughs> it, card or something? Uh, I think it was. I, I think it was some. Either a, I think it might have been a a model of what's he called? Scrap the 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 really? saber tooth squirrel from Ice Age. All oh, right, holding a nut. <laughs> and I, I did wonder. And I did. You know, he, he at the start of all the Ice Age films. If you've not got kids, it, it's you know at the start of all these Ice Age films, which are these animated films about dinosaurs and 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 that. There is, there's always a sort of brief cameo from this squirrel who's obsessed with a nut, and I did wonder what had drawn Nigel Farage to the story of a bug-eyed obsessive who was determined to secure the thing that he wanted, even if it destroyed all the environment around him and other people. But I've still not got any idea. But but let's talk about his clothes. Well, Um, just before we do, I tell you one of the most fascinating things watching news channels. 
um, almost 24 hours a day, which is nothing new. I did that before all this happened. But yeah. it's seeing people's homes. It's isn't brilliant, it? isn't it? It's really fascinating, isn't it? And what about I, David Liddington's ceiling? Yeah, I haven't. I don't think I've seen David Liddington's oh, ceiling. He's, he's got a big. He's, David Liddington. His, his webcam. As it does so often, because you tilt your screen back, don't you, on your laptop? Yeah. To um, to to you know to get it comfortable and uh, for, for your eyes, and he's tilted his screen back, but he's revealed a very nasty bit of damp with a with a, with a crack in the uh, lidders. You know. Well, um, my favourite so far is the weather. Um, the weather presenter on Good Morning Britain. I think she's called Laura Tobin or, or something like oh, that. Oh, okay. And and she is presenting the weather from home. Um, but she's obviously what she's trying to do is she's trying to find the most nondescript bit of wall that she can. So it's just a white background, right? Because I mean, actually, we're doing a lot of Teams calls and things like that, aren't we, Stephen? I'm, you know, I'm, we are. I'm. I don't really want everyone I work with having a tour of my um, my abode, so I've tried to do the same thing. But what she hadn't factored in was the fact that there would be there was a, obviously there's obviously some kind of light. She's getting more than just they obviously sent her some kind of some kind of you know TV light or whatever to to light up her features better, and it was causing a shadow, throwing a shadow onto the wall, oh. and and that shadow was a bare bulb. <laughs> So it's just she hasn't actually, she hasn't actually put her put any um you know put any put any lampshades up yet. Well, I've been criticised because I've got a couple of bare bulbs. Well, that's what I was getting talking. onto next. You you also have got two bare. Which brings me to: Are you living with Laura Tobin, the weather presenter from I Good am, Morning yeah, Britain? Yeah, we've moved we've moved in together. So that that um, was the, the you see you think you can get away with this sort of thing when we're in lockdown, but your secrets. But I like to have the bare bulb. I like the bare bulb effect, especially in my flat, which has got some you know it gives it, it a sort of warehousey it, feel. Is it, a, it? is it a sort of um, a, a sort of uh, I don't know a sort of train spotting chic that you've gone for there? I think it might be, probably yeah. something like that, yeah. Mother, mother like superiors. The of, I like the warehouse effect, which is why I've got all these boxes of toilet rolls and uh, <laughs> other supplies stacked up in here as well. <laughs> um, and, and, and attire, of course, because we're seeing people, you know, dress down Friday used to be a thing. He's just dressed down. It's dressed now. down every day, isn't, isn't it? it? I haven't well, put... you, what did you have on yesterday? Yesterday. Do you want to talk oh. people through the ensemble? <laughs> well, that wasn't during working hours, actually. That was I, I no, got because changed. you were playing a guitar. I was playing. Which I presume you weren't doing in your role as <laughs> politics <laughs> and business editor. Of well, when doing afternoon conference with an electric guitar is not not uh, is, is frowned upon somewhat. No, I was. So uh, what I tend to do is I try I try and get reasonably smart. So I try and dress during the day for if, if to say I was going out for for a nice lunch or something, um, and then. As soon as the day ends and the laptop is snapped shut, um, I put my put my jogging bottoms on. So so yesterday I was playing my beloved um, fifty five reissue Sonic Blue Fender Telecaster um, badly, very badly, um, and uh, I was snapped doing this. Um, and I shared it with Steve, and I had a I had my green sort of lime green Adidas joggers on um, and a nice comfy t shirt. Well, it was it was a remarkable ensemble altogether, and a snood, the snood, the, snood, the sweatpants, 
it was um, it was it was it was brilliant. Um, you did oh, well. I, I did. It was commented that it looked like sort of uh, you know when when the Strokes first arrived on the scene in the early did, yeah. sort of two thousand when you know that 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 startling look that they had the leather jackets and the tight jeans. It was you know it was akin to that. I feel. Very much so. I was certainly startled by it. It didn't come anywhere close to what Nigel Farage was wearing, though, did it? No, it didn't. He had on a... Well, do you think his shorts were... Some people said they were denim shorts, but I think they were sort of... You know, they looked a bit denim, They were, but they were sort of light blue shorts, weren't they? And then he had, a, <laughs> like, a maroon cashmere jumper on. He had a yellow shirt. Well, it had yellow collars, but it looked like it might be a sort of a... It looked like a sort of rugby shirt, didn't it, underneath? Yeah. And then, and then these sort of denim effect shorts, and it looked like the sort of you know ensemble you might put together if you had if you arrived at in Marks and Spencer's men's fashion with the three minutes to go till closing time. It was, it was just extraordinary. It and then obviously <laughs> the dead gerbil in the jar behind him just just set it off. The shorts so, were the thing for me. Um, that they were yeah, they were, they were very tight. Very odd choice. A very odd Threatening choice. Threateningly tight. Indeed. Indeed. Um, what have you got on your bottom? Uh, I'm wearing shorts today, but they're, they're quite baggy. Baggy shorts. Those, 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 the shorts that Nigel Farage had, there's no chance of this, but the shorts that Nigel Farage had reminded me of that um, episode of... Um, Alan Partridge, where Lynn has to tell him that he's come undone yes. at the side. <laughs> Alan, he's come undone at the side, <laughs> or whatever she said, whatever her brilliant phrase is. But yeah, and if only Nigel um, had, that would have been that would have been quite something. Um, I tell you, there's, a, there's actually a third thing that we've learned that we've learned this week, or that I've learned this week, which is that my my son, who is staying with me um, um, during this uh, this period of isolation my college age son is staying with me and he's become obsessed with reading the reviews of this podcast and he oh, particularly yeah, likes he particularly likes the one the one that he keeps mentioning is the one that it says uh uh one star two smug two smug white men talking about nothing <laughs> and he particularly likes that one he said that should be the title of the podcast yeah it should. should it should i mean that is literally it i mean you know we, yeah, we, we've not tried to hide it, it. um I, no. my favorite ever was from a chap in texas in a town called lubbock in texas who said i listen i li- <laughs> i literally listen to nothing else that's, that's great, isn't it? I mean, There's no need to listen to anything else apart from the news, as we say. Like he's, you know, in he's, these raw moments, he's got these. I've got this vision. He's got these headphones on. He plays it all the time. He's not heard bird song for years. No, his, his wife left him years ago because all they listen yeah. to is me and you. <laughs> yeah, it's, well, what a lie! What a star! Um, what a superstar! Shall we? Shall we talk about <clears throat> politics and that? I guess we should. And the biggest, uh, I think, the, if we're talking, if we're talking pure politics, I guess the biggest story of the week in any normal week would be would be Kia and his shadow cabinet. I mean, we spoke a lot about Kia last week, but well, um, we did. What did you What did you think of his shadow cabinet? Uh, do you know what? I was I was quite pleased to see Ed Miliband back. I thought I thought politics did a bit of a disservice to Ed Miliband because he should never have been Labour leader, but he wasn't. 
a bad leader in comparison to what came next. Um, but he was, no. you know, he, he, he should have... He, I think Ed Miliband probably should have been one of those politicians that n- knew where his ceiling was. And I think that was probably, you know, a, a very high ceiling, obviously, but is as a, is a, is a, a minister, you know, a minister of state for, for whether it be health or whatever. I don't think he quite had it in him to be a, a prime minister or a chancellor. I, that was a, a step above. Um, and we all know the, you know, the, there's some of the reasons behind that probably go long back long before him or his brother were even politicians. But um, I, I do think that Labour would be in a much better shape now and perhaps even the country would be in a much better shape now if David Miliband um, had have won that election rather than his brother. But that said, and I know we have a laugh at Ed and... Um, it's actually eight, no, seven years to the day that I interviewed Ed Miliband on a train. I remember that because it was the day that Margaret Thatcher died. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, you know, we've seen him on his on his comedy show and him doing radio too, and he obviously, I think, flirted with leaving politics and going down the sort of Ed Balls route and being a sort of comic yeah. character. I'm glad he didn't because I do think he is a decent politician who's in politics for exactly the right reasons. And I also think that he is the sort of person that, that uh, you know, that will bring something to the shadow cabinet. Um, and yes, all right, everyone knows who he is. He's got a bit of a, a comedy past. We all, you know, one of the one of the cartoons earlier in the week, I can't remember which, I think it was in the Times, I'm not sure, you know, had they resurrected the old Wallace and Gromit thing and, you know, fine. I, yeah, that's fine. But I do think he, he he speaks well in the House. I think I think he's got something to bring. So I was quite sort of pleasantly surprised about that. Um, Annalise Dodds, of course, we we, we mentioned, uh, and Rachel Reeves. Um, yeah. Both, both got jobs, didn't they? Um, yeah. Annalise Dodds is the shadow chancellor. Correct. Rachel Reeves. Rachel, I would... I don't know about Rachel Reeves. Is, is it is it much of a job being the the shadow of Michael Gove? I mean, Michael Gove's got a big job, but well, I think it's worth. I think because of Gove and because of the fact that that is a powerful role. Because you'll remember when Gove got that job, we also went, eh? but as it has turned out, obviously that is a powerful job. So yeah, I think it probably is worth having someone decent shadow Gove. And they obviously think that. Um, they obviously think that they, they, they can get at him, um, and that, that's interesting for me. That they, I, I, you know, I think we're putting Rachel Reeves up against him. I think they're going going after him a little bit. You know, when all this has died yeah. down, of course. And you know, you, one thing that special advisors and people in Westminster pay attention to more than perhaps as journalists do, and certainly the general public do, is who goes up against who. You know, they really do. If you're in a department, you're, you know, you're worried when, when there's a reshuffle, who's my guy going to be coming up against? It is something that he's thought about. Um, so that's an inter- I think that's an interesting one. And I've got, I've got high hopes for Rachel Reeves. I think, she'll, I think she'll do a good job. What about Rebecca Long-Bailey, who, I mean, he, he, said, he said, didn't he, in, the, in the, the, the final days of the campaign, there's going to be good jobs for... Lisa Nandy and Rebecca Long Bailey, and you know, many people expected him to, before he said that, to sort of sideline Rebecca Long Bailey. Instead, she's their education secretary. Yeah, I mean, what's, what's your thinking about that? Well, I, I, I don't think I've really changed. I mean, we we pretty much called this last week, and I, I, I and I would I would stick to that uh, because I think that 
I think that now perhaps is not the time for a massive purge for a, for a fight. I think Keir wants to probably show that he's not um, the sort of man that Jeremy Corbyn was, not the sort of leader, sorry, as, as Jeremy Corbyn was. Yeah. And um, and so I I can see why he's done it. I think that that shadow cabinet career will probably be short lived, um, if I'm honest. Mm. Uh, so. You know, we, we we'll see, but I, I I don't disagree with Keir on throwing that throwing that bone to the to the left of the party. Uh, I mean, no, there's not many of them left, is there? There's not. I mean, I'm no I'm no fan of Rachel Long Bailey at all, but I think or even Rebecca Long Bailey, her sister. <laughs> did I say Rachel? You did say Rachel Long Bailey. <laughs> Rachel Long Bailey. It's amazing that she also got married to a. A man named Bailey. <laughs> it's bizarre. Um, it's also, it's also, uh, it's confusing because Becky, Rebecca, Rachel, she's forever changing her name, so it's difficult for me to keep up. Yeah, frankly. So yes, I um, think, I think that I, I can understand why he's done it, even though I don't, you know, I, I, I would suggest that she's probably not long for the long for the shadow cabinet. I, I think give her eighteen months. But you it's know. an interesting one, isn't it? I mean, she can keep if she keeps hammering stuff like tuition fees. Then yeah. you could see her being, you know, if you establish quite clearly that Labour is a party, if that if that this remains Labour Party policy, that yeah. Labour is the party that's going to abolish tuition fees and pump lots of more money into education, yeah. then I can see her doing that reasonably effectively. Well, I do she's, think certainly an, she's certainly an attack dog, uh, you know, but I think that she needs to. I, don't, I just worry that she can stick very clearly to what is going to be a more, I think, slowly. A more and more centrist, um, you know, political standpoint from from Labour, and I, I do worry. I do worry that she will, um, yeah, perhaps not. I don't think she'll do anything publicly. I don't expect she's going to go on the Today program and you know and and and, and sort of shout her mouth off. But I wonder if behind closed doors she can she'll be able to sort of, uh, you know, she'll be able to do the be able to look herself in the mirror. I guess probably. Yes, exactly. Um, David Lammy is one I'm particularly pleased about. I think he really, you know, all the work he's done, Windrush, um, Grenfell as well, obviously. Absolutely, he's um, been a fa- he's been a- Robert Buckland is, is, you know, Robert Buckland is, uh, there's not many people that I think are really great in this, in this government, but he, Robert Buckland, I think is, is pretty, you know, he seems like a decent bloke and he's reasonably effective, I think. Yeah. Um, so that's so that's tricky. What about Lammy? What do you think? I'm really pleased that Lammy's got a got a job. I think yeah, you're absolutely right. I think he's been he, he's he was brilliant on um, on on Brexit throughout. I think he's also a fantastic constituency MP. Um, I remember all the good work he did after the after the riots in London, of course, and, and on Grenfell. Um, yeah, again, absolutely fantastic, and you know he deserves it. And it, 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 this is the type of person that we do need in in frontline. Uh, politics, and we do, you know, we and we do need in in cabinets and shadow cabinets. So I think that's a really good appointment. I'm, I was really pleased with that one. Um, I, I think we've probably agreed that we're not going to shed many tears for Richard Bergen or Barry Gardner or Shami Chakrabarti. Uh, Tracy Brabin, I was a bit surprised to see get nothing. Um, well, do you know what? I mean, I, I think I still think that Tracy Brabin has got. A lot to prove, really, and I think um, I, I think she's been pretty good. This is my old 
sort of near to my old stomping ground. I know the patch really well. Um, Tracy actually was in the same class at school as my uncle. Um, and of course, for those of us who uh, who watch these kinds of things, she she was an actress as well. And a kind she's, of very she's actually in actress. the classic Coronation Streets that they're showing on ITV Two or whatever. Is it is she at, at, the, the, at, the, at the moment? Yeah, I love yeah, Coronation yeah, yeah. Street. I, I, saw her, I, was, I saw her up in a fight with Vera Duckworth the other day. Brilliant! Very I was good. completely obsessed with I was completely obsessed with uh, Coronation Street until I was about twenty five, twenty six. So I'm I'm very well aware of. I think she was in Emmerdale as well at the time. She was, she sort she of knocked was in a around, lot of things. She sort of knocked around a few and certainly had a successful career um, on the small screen. But I think I think she's been pretty good, yeah, I agree. But equally, I think perhaps she needs a bit longer. I wouldn't say she's a, she's not really a heavyweight, is she? Um, so I wouldn't be surprised no. if we see a return from her. But I also think it's probably, you know, it's a tricky constituency that. Um, for for any number of reasons, and uh, I think her constituency probably needs her more than um, yeah. than a, than, a, than a shadow constituency for the time being. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if she's if she's not back uh, with a job before too long. Clive Lewis was the other one. I, I sort of half expected that Clive would get something. Yeah, um, and no, I mean we we sort of. I mean, I think we we thought that Jess Phillips might not get anything because she was you know, one of the most outspoken critics of Corbyn. And I think she might be somebody who comes in after 18 months or something. That's what right. is the yeah, thinking yeah. between Yvette, behind Yvette Cooper <clears throat> and Hilary Benn not getting anything? Well, the thinking, I, I, my belief in the thinking of that was that we wanted, we want a new start, we want a fresh young shadow cabinet, and then Ed Miliband gets a job. Um, so that sort of puzzled me a little bit because I think if you're going to give Ed yeah. Miliband a job, then why not Yvette Cooper? Perfectly, um, you know, very, very good politician. I could again, I would probably stick. Why not Hillary Benn because of the the failed coup? I think that would, uh, you know, I think that mm. really would have enraged a lot of um, Corbynistas. Um, but yeah, I don't really understand. Don't really understand Yvette. Don't know. I don't know what. Yeah, well, I guess that, I guess it's that they're you know they've got important jobs on. Select you know, committees, committees yeah, yeah. the head of committees, and although is there a Brexit, is there anything for Hillary Benn to do in the Brexit committee anymore? I don't really know, um, but um, but it's certainly interesting. Um, I'm less enamoured of Ed Miliband than you, but I think it's you know, and I just I, unless he is really really special, I just fail to see what is in it for for Keir Starmer in in, in bringing back somebody who was. So sort of universally derided, lost an election that he, you know, he lost that election. Well, he didn't, you know, he lost an election that he really should have won, or he oh, really absolutely. should have, he really should have held the balance of power, and and um, and he sort of unravelled in front of our our eyes. I think he uh, did. He, during he, the whole it was day. it was sh- it was shambolic. The team around him at the time weren't up to much either. I have to say, no, um, that's very true. And you know, so. Yeah, I mean, I, I, listen. I hear what you're saying. I, I have, I've got a soft spot for for Ed. I have to say, and um, and I do think that he's got. I do think he's a very, very bright guy who brings a lot of brain power to the table. And and let's be honest, Labour, you know, Labour's ranks are there is there is some people who've got potential there, but there is not the big beasts that we've seen in the past. It, it, no. it, there is pretty slim pickings, frankly. Um, and I'm sure there will be people who will prove themselves, um, and some people who've got off to decent starts. But we're we're a good few years down the line of, of saying this is a top notch 
shadow yeah, cabinet yeah. here. Um, and, yeah. you know, maybe Ed just bridges that gap a little bit. I don't know. Maybe he does. So what would you... Marks out of 10 for this show? Marks out of 10. Uh, I would say it could have been a heck of a lot worse. And we discussed this at the time, didn't we? And I, you know, and you were a bit... We did. And I said, yeah, but look at who's leaving. And I think that's the thing that brought me the most joy. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the, the ones that I'd been kicked out. I reckon, I reckon a, a, you know, a, a decent seven, I would say. Yeah, I'd, seven. Say, I'd, I'd say seven, seven and a half. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it, it is good. And it's, yeah. For Richard Bergen alone, I'm giving him the half is for, for the departure of Richard Bergen. Bergen be gone, Bergen, as they say. Bergen be gone. Now, listen, we do need to speak about something that's perhaps a bit more fun, actually, than Labour politics. We need to speak about Babel, don't we? We need yes, to check in and see how you're getting on. So you, well, you check your app now and see how you're getting on, and I'll tell the I'll tell the people what it I'm is. I'm up to I'm up to lesson four. Lesson four. I so, can but, say I can say mucho gusto with great um, with great gusto. Incredible. So that is good. It's like there's a there is a Spanish a Spaniard here on the pod. So, incredible, so, isn't it? So Babel basically it, it's for it's for people who've uh, you've always wanted to visit a different country. I think in times like this, we're all fingers crossed that we could perhaps get away at some point this year. Um, but they don't want to feel like an outsider. You know, you want to embrace the culture, you want to embrace the language. Babel is here to help you learn that language. Um, so it doesn't matter if you're returning to a language, maybe you, maybe you took it up at secondary school and it fell away, as it so often does, or you want to learn from fresh, which is what Steve's doing. Um, Steve, Steve, you learned German at school, but you're trying out Spanish. Um, how, how are you finding it then? Well, I'm loving. I, I am not. I am. I am old. I'm an old man, and I'm finding. I'm finding it tricky to remember this thing. But I am really enjoying Babel. It is an absolute dream to um, to learn from. It's really intuitive. There are. Um, you can. Uh, you know. There are very easy sort of. You know, multiple choice things to pick from. It works up into writing stuff. Um, there is uh, an opportunity to say phrases, to repeat phrases, and um, and to um, and to have it sort of graded by the app. So yeah. it's 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 really it's really great. I am gonna when when all this when this this war is over. Although we mustn't compare it to a war. When this this Battle. crisis is over, um, I am very much looking forward to. Um, to uh, well, my my current my my currently postponed holiday in well, my holiday in Valencia in June, which I uh, in sort of severe rather in June, which I think I suspect is not going to happen. I'm I'm really looking forward to to rescheduling that for later in the year and trying some of this out. Yeah, so babble. So the way Check it works it is that there's a, it's got a, a simple interface uh, that aims to guide you through the learning journey. It's designed to quickly get you speaking your new language, whichever one you pick. Within weeks, they use sort of ten to fifteen minute lessons um, that are daily, and it teaches real life conversations. I think that's one of the things that Steve really likes. You, you know, you, you're learning things that you will be able to use when you visit yeah. the country, um, and it uses speech recognition technology, which helps improve pronunciation and accent. Uh, but the, these lessons are created by more than a hundred language experts, real people. It's not just like a translation machine. You know, these are actual people who speak this language. Um, so you can choose from 14 different languages that include Spanish, French, Italian, uh, German, um, and the teaching method has proven to be effective across multiple studies. 
It's available as an app or online, and progress is synced across all your devices. So try Babbel today. Just go to babbel.co.uk or download the app for free. That's babbel, B-A-B-B-E-L dot co dot uk, or download the app to try it for free. Babbel, learn a new language and make it your own. It's very good. It's should we good, do a yeah. should we do a quick quiz? Because oh, we, yeah, we missed it out last week. We have so much to talk about. Yes, quick quiz. Would I'm going to give you three questions. I'm going to give you three questions. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. from um, a big quiz I wrote for the New European, Ooh. which is still available on the website. Um, go and check it out. NewEuropean.co.uk. Uh, question one this week. Uh, after meeting, him, we'll do the answers at the end. By the way, before Brexiteer of the week. So you've got a little time to think about these. After meeting him in the early 1960s, of whom did Rich, did Ringo Starr say, <coughs> he's the kind of bloke who would bottle your pee and sell it? Well, to be honest, a bottle of Ringo Starr's pee would probably fetch quite a lot of money, wouldn't it? In the, after meeting him in the 1960s, of whom did Ringo Starr say, he's the kind of bloke who would bottle your pee and sell it? <laughs> Peace and love. Uh, <laughs> please, please. And no more you, bottles of pee. <laughs> I will not be signing any more bottles of pee. (laughs) You won't sign that love and pee. Ringo. (laughs) That was brilliant. That was brilliant. It was brilliant. I will not be signing any more autographs. Stop asking me. Love and pee, Ringo. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Your your answers for that are, is it A, Geoffrey Archer? Is it B, Cecil Parkinson? Is it C, Michael Heseltine? Uh, Question two. What did Winston Churchill take with him when sent to cover the Boer War for a newspaper in 1899? Was it A, seven morning suits, seven dress shirts and seven top hats? Was it B, the complete works of... Shakespeare, Keats and Coleridge, or was it C, 36 bottles of wine, 18 bottles of aged scotch, and six <laughs> bottles of vintage brandy? Sounds like a, It sounds like the sort of alternative um, opening chapter to, um, to um, Fear and Loathing. Fear and Loathing <laughs> in the Boer War with Winston <laughs> Churchill. And uh, question three, in July 2019, the Brexiteer MP Andrea Jenkins suffered whiplash and concussion as a result of what? Was it A, a bizarre gardening accident? Was it B, she fell off stage while singing opera? Or was it C, swinging on her chair during a meeting? Oh, you should never do that. Did she, if, if, that is the, if that is the answer, she should know better because teachers at school are always telling you that. It's one of the first things you learn. What's that? Don't swing on your chair. Oh, well, we don't know if that's the answer, but I'll give you the answers before Brexit is of the week. OK. I do, I'm, now, we I'm guessing on we all then. What we mentioned lockdown ending. Yeah, I mean lockdown is is ending in some, but but just not here. Um, well, I, I mean, I think uh, we, we we we're recording this as the as the sort of um, discussions around lockdown are continuing. But uh, I think the sort of hint that I have got is is not to expect a great deal. I think we're seeing um, some little glimpse of light in a very long dark tunnel and I think it would be probably foolish to you know go back and, and hope for the best so I think the, the thinking that I've been that's been related to me is that we're we're in for another four weeks or so probably well that would be um I mean that would be fantastic four weeks would four weeks would be fantastic and, I, and, and I'll, I'll tell you why I bring this up it is it is so I have sort of thought for a long time um, that 
we would try and come out of this as quickly as possible simply because of the sort of government that we have got. If we had a Labour government or a, a, a coalition government even, I think the temptation would be to play it extremely safe, be very cautious, protect the NHS, all of those kind of things. Uh, don't gamble with people's lives. Now, I'm not suggesting that this current government is going is prepared to gamble with people's lives, but what I am saying is that it is the, the government is is made up of people who are from the libertarian side of politics for one thing and mm-hmm. from the business side of politics for for another thing. And two things they do not like those kind of people are. Um, are businesses in peril and also being told what to do for a long period as possible. And, you know, in Thursday's Telegraph, which I was looking at earlier, there's a cabinet minister there saying the lockdown is going to continue until the end of April, but we've got to get the economy moving in May or we risk bankrupting ourselves. And the Telegraph's sort of, they've, they've, they've modelled something. Um, I don't know whether this is the result of loads and loads of very um, learned research or whether it's a bit of, you know, some modelling and some uh, nudge-nudging, but the Telegraph are sort of modelling that some some restrictions will be lifted in the middle of May. Um, I think the, the point is that there is, a, there, is a, there, there surely must be a middle ground here. Um, you know, there yes. surely must be a way of of, of, of phasing the lockdown out, do you know what I mean? So yeah. the, the last thing, surely, and I'm no expert, but it seems to make sense to me that the last thing we want is suddenly, you know, 8 million, 10 million people going in and out of London every day and tubes yeah, working as they were and, the you know, pub, everybody just all moves all yeah. um, So, yeah. w- But figuring out how you do that is very tricky and I don't have those answers, I'm afraid, but it seems to be um, th- that that would be... That would be fair because, you know, yes, all right, the economy is not our first concern right at this second, but it is going to be. It is we, you know, we, people still do need jobs, um, mm. and and it, so it is a concern, and you know, we do we do have to consider that, um, and and obviously people's lives are are very much the, the first consideration, but if there is a way um, to 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 move out of the lockdown sooner but slower, then you know p- surely that is something that's got to be on the table and got to be in the, in, in ministers' minds. Yes, exactly. I, do, I find all the theories of what you should do absolutely fascinating. This idea: there was a guy I saw a guy from UCL who have obviously done quite a lot of work in this area, saying, "Well, well, you you know, no sports events, no arts events." But you know, in in the in the next few weeks, try and when the when the the, the, the curve has, has flattened somewhat, try and introduce the right of people to move around again, and but control the numbers of, of people who go into shops and don't reopen things like you know well, clubs think, or restaurants thing, no, unless you can control those. Yeah, I think I think the thing is. Um the, the the message is so mixed because on numerous occasions, only what three four weeks ago, we were being told sporting occasions are not going to make the slightest bit of difference. People are outside, yeah. you know. It really is such a small risk that it's not it's not a problem. And then suddenly it's a massive problem. You know, we were told yeah. 
And I still think that closing the schools was was perhaps premature or there was a different way around that. But that should be the first thing that we reopen. If we're worried about the economy, the first thing we need to reopen is schools. Get the schools reopened as soon as possible. That should be priority number one, to get those kids back to school. Um, because it's not only damaging for you know for poor parents who I've got great sympathy with who have to you know who who are desperately trying to juggle work and the financial worries and they've got kids in the background making their life more difficult through no fault of the kids of course but you know it's really tricky they need to be back in school so I I, I would say that that you know I would be heartened if um, if if someone were to come out and and say you know our first priority is not opening re- reopening restaurants and reopening pubs it's getting people it's getting these kids back to school because the knock on effect for, yeah. for productivity will be good as well um, you know get them back to school that should be that should be priority number one for coming out of a lockdown in my opinion then pubs <laughs> immediately afterwards. <laughs> Well, if we've got a, if we've got a service economy country, which we do have, it's quite uh, it's it's quite hard to sustain that without having um, those kind of things open, isn't it? Yeah. It's but you know when you look at things like what's happening in Austria, where you know they're they're just they're, they're basically saying, you know, try and we'll try and revive the economy in sort of two week phases. First of all, we're going to open. You know, some, obviously food shops are open, but we're going to start opening some smaller shops. Then we're going to open shopping malls in two the two weeks after that. Then two weeks after that, we're going to start opening restaurants and bars. Uh, all of that. Obviously, they've got that. You know, they're, they're, it's quite different to uh, to our scenario. They had um, when they started their lockdown. They had less than ten thousand cases and no deaths, which is uh, unfortunately not the position we were in. But I do think it's fascinating. The idea of loosening and tightening, you know, you could loosen the lockdown for a couple of months, then you could tighten it again to, you know, to for, for another couple of months to, um, to to sort of build up some herd immunity in the now discredited phrase, but not flood the NHS. Um, let's hope something positive happens. But at the moment, everybody must stay inside. Please stay inside. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. yeah. And, and all of that. And, yeah, and do you know what? I think, I think people are doing... I think I think we're doing a pretty good job as a nation. Well, me well me too. I, but I, but I do think you know, and I know we've talked about this before. But I do think that this war on people who, um, you know, live next to live in tower blocks next yeah. to, or, or yeah. flats next to next to parks and mm-hmm. choose to stroll through a park. <clears throat> Is, is is extremely misguided. Absolutely, and, um, it's, a, it's a complete nonsense. I, I was, I saw, um, I overheard a woman um, while on my uh, state-approved and allowed uh, daily exercise last Sunday. I was wandering through the city centre, super quiet, you know, not a lot of people there. And then a lady walked past me on the other side of the road on her phone. She said, "I was trying to stand still to have this conversation, but the police have told me I'm not allowed to stand still in one place." So I thought I'd try this method out. I thought I'd try this out. So I could see the bobbies. So I thought, I'm just going to stand still here. And I, and, and I did. And they didn't, they didn't try and move me on. So I think maybe she was just a bit of a fantasist. But there is this... We, we've, got, we've got to be very careful. that Because, uh, you know, police state and all that. Do you know what I mean? It's a, it's, a, it's a worry, isn't it, on top of everything else. Every time you walk in the streets and the cops go past you, you're going to get bundled in the back of the car. Yes, you. Yes, you are. But you know, people who um, 
I mean, the people who are, are, are most disproportionately affected by this are, we know, are poorer people, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, because they absolutely. tend to they tend to have jobs that are, you know, in the in the front line. They're the people who are working in the food shops, or the the people who are um, teaching in schools, or, or they are people who are um, working in our NHS yeah, and. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then people who obviously don't work, and to, to to tell those people that they, you know, they they can't uh, they can't walk through their local park seems to me to be uh, quite quite ludicrous and, and it quite is wrong. ludicrous. And also, they're not doing anything wrong. I mean, that's the other no. thing. You know, the the, the, the thing with um, the, the police, and you know, I, you know, I, I, if I need the police, I expect to ring them and they'll do their job. I'm not having a go at the police. I'm really not. Um, but we, I think we've just got to be careful. Because it is a, it's a very fragile beast is is the power that we we give to people like the police and and you know it only takes a couple of bad apples and the good work of the vast vast majority of the nation's police force is, is sort of flushed down the the toilet so you know I would urge I would urge our police officers to just apply a little bit of common sense and I think for the vast majority I think that seems to have been the case I mean there was that stupid drone footage that Derbyshire police did right at the start wasn't it it was a nonsense but for the most yeah, part exactly. I mean moving people on who were having barbecues on the beach and stuff I can see that because it, it, that in itself might not be um, it, 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 you know it, it breaking the law but it's not really in keeping with the with the spirit no. of what we're doing, you know, and also it will just attract more people having barbecues and drinking beers, and you know, so uh, uh, it, that's fine. But we shouldn't be cl- we shouldn't be um, you know clogging up our court system with people who you know stayed out past their allotted hour or went for no, a, exactly. went for a run in the morning and then thought they might pop out to take the dog for a walk in the evening. You know, let's not be yeah. stupid about this. Um, it, no. is, it is people who are holding, you know. <laughs> warehouse parties <laughs> and you know, these well, people yeah. these people are very different from the chap who who took his dog out more than he should have you know yes exactly exactly i mean the only the only example that i have seen um has been there's a park very near to where i live there is a uh big shopping mall opposite where i live and then some well i, I think you would call them you know, you would, would you call them luxury flats? They're certainly very nice flats next to that. And over the road, there is a large um, council estate with a tower block, sort of 50s, 60s build. Uh, um, and, um, you know, both of those kind of communities use the park. And um, it's, so the, the, the park is, you know, I mean, it's not busy. There are people in it. But um, but I did see a policeman in there the other day looking like he was about to go and intervene with two people, sort of middle-aged people, a man and a woman who were sitting on park benches next, to, not next to one another, two separate park benches, but were holding a conversation. And he looked like he was about to tell them to, to uh, stop that, stand up and go home. And uh, they're not know, that I mean, keen on people sort of hanging around, are they? I think that's no. the issue. Um, no, but I think no. that's fine, and I, get, and I get that it might encourage people, that's more people, thing. in. But it's the way but that you, it's the way that, that it's conveyed, almost. You know, if if uh, if that Bobby went up to that couple and said, "Listen, guys, I know it's a pain in the ass, but really, we need to be moving on now. If you could sort of finish up your yeah. conversation and have a nice day, then f- I think that's fine." Um, if those two people were handcuffed and bundled into the back of a Black Mariah, then that's very different. Yeah. Um, 
Well, one last thing. It's a podcast, isn't it? Oh, go on. What, what, what was that? Well, I said it's a Brexit podcast, so we should probably talk about the EU for five oh, minutes. Oh, go on. Well, I'll tell you what. Before we do that, I've got to talk about something. I've got to talk about something else. I've got to talk oh, about good. Sons. Sons. Yeah. That's S O N S. My accent. My okay. Sons. It's a it's a men's health brand. Okay, and it's helping guys with one of the key health issues that they don't often talk about, and that is how to keep their hair. Um, they do this by offering free online consultations assessments with GPs. They provide a range of licensed and medically proven products for presenting hair loss that they claim deliver results in more than 9 out of 10 men. They do all this via a monthly subscription. It's delivered directly to your door. They're reasonably priced. There's no contract. You pay monthly and there are no hidden costs or charges. Uh, you take a consultation in less than two minutes and their pharmacy delivers to your door within three working days. So, why not show hair loss who's boss and go to www.sons.co.uk that's www.sons.co.uk use code NEW N-E-W to get your first month for just £10. Check it out now. Steve, you want to talk about the EU? Uh, I do very briefly want to talk about the EU. Um, there's massive uh, trade talks news, isn't there, which is that there isn't any trade talks. Absolutely. They've not even agreed the video conferencing timetable. Um, <laughs> They're still deciding uh, whether to use Teams the... or Zoom. <laughs> well, exactly. That's, that's it. Well, is it Teams? Shall we use WhatsApp? Who's got that? Um, Belgium are going, well, the... we, we prefer Skype. <laughs> And the EU have said that the December deadline is a fantasy. Yeah. Um, and I agree but, with them. I mean, it's a nonsense. Well, really, what we should do right now is go, do you know what? We've got quite a lot on our plate. So we're going to shelf that and we're going to speak to the EU and we're going to put all our brains, all our best brains, into the coronavirus. And then yeah, when this exactly is all done that. and dusted, we'll sit down with the EU, like adults, and go, sorry about that, um, but you, know, you were as up against it as we were. Now, where were we? It's just a nonsense. It's a nonsense that people are still saying, and I saw, I don't know who it was, but someone the other day um, on one of the news channels saying, there's no reason why we need to stop this. Yes, there bloody is. We're in a lockdown. People are dying. The NHS is in a perilous position, and you want to bang on about leaving the EU. I mean, just chill and quit it. Yeah, get over it, I would say. Yeah. Um, events in the EU... Um, we mentioned worrying developments last week. The, uh, there are more this week. The, there is still no um, economic deal in sight. Although we're recording this on Thursday, so hopefully something will have happened by then. Um, other, lots of other countries, smaller countries, still pressuring Germany, uh, where Angela Merkel is now back in, and in control to um, to issue um, sort of. Uh, level interest uh, euro bonds, so loans won't be at the sort of rates which cause such uh, a, a um, crisis in the, the aftermath of the, the financial meltdown in 2008. Um, so that is ongoing. I mean, it's nearer than it was last week. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it's not great that this is still progressing. It's also not great that the uh, guy called Mauro Ferrari who is the uh, well? He's, the, he's the, the EU's top scientist. Basically, is the head of their scientific research body mm. has um, resigned three months into the job 
um, saying he's extremely disappointed in how the EU has reacted to uh, coronavirus pandemic. He says, I've lost faith in the, uh, the system itself. Um, and basically, um, he, he, he uh, sort of wanted to establish a single program directed uh, at combating the coronavirus, but it was the, the plan was rejected. It, it had Ursula van Leyen support, but it couldn't win sort of widespread support around the country. These things are um, these things are worrying. What is not worrying and is very good is that while um, while it is in lockdown, the EU Parliament has been opened up for homeless people. Yeah, that, that is good. I, I would say that actually, um, <clears throat> and again, you know. Uh, uh, Obviously, we're, we're supportive of of Europe on this show, but and of UK being a part of Europe. But we're we're very happy to criticise the EU when it deserves it, and it's far from perfect. Um, and I think the coronavirus issue with regards to the EU shows what the EU is not very good at, and that is reacting to things very quickly and getting yeah. things through very quickly. I mean, if you look how swiftly um, our Parliament got through the um, the coronavirus bill. That was impressive, right? Whether we like what's in it or not, that was impressive. The EU, because of its very nature, is not that type of body. And when it comes to reacting to something, needing to react to something immediately, they, 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 you know, it is a, it is a, it's a massive organisation, and it's like turning a battleship. And I think that is, uh, uh, you know, I think that is what they're not very good at. Yeah, I suppose it does. Uh, I suppose it does prove that, um, unlike. Unlike what the, the, the Brexiteers say, that individual countries do have a great deal of power within the EU, but in this case, it's, that is actually quite regrettable. But let's hope that gets um, let's hope that gets sorted out soon. Um, shall I give you the answers to the quiz before we do the Brexiteers? Uh, yeah, you you. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's have a little break first. Okay. Brexiteer of the week. Welcome back, Steve. It's time to do Brexiteer of the week. But first, do you want do you want to do the answers to the quiz first? I'll do the answers to the quiz first. Okay, so great, great, let's great, go great. over the questions again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, give me time me to answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. After meeting him in the early 1960s, of whom did Ringo Starr say he's the kind of bloke who would bottle your piss and sell it? Now, I've I can I reckon I know this one, um, and it's go on. but it, it almost seems too obvious. Is it Jeffrey Archer? It is Geoffrey Archer, that's mm. right, who I think was at... Was he at Oxford, or or did he just run at Oxford? I can't remember what how Geoffrey Archer's amazing story unfolded. But anyway, he certainly... There's certainly a picture of a fresh-faced Geoffrey Archer um, with the, the uh, with the Beatles. Holding a bottle uh, in front of Ringo Starr. <laughs> holding a bottle, saying, just, if you could just... Yeah, I'm afraid the toilets aren't working, Mr Starkey, so if you could just... Um, what did Winston Churchill take with him when sent to cover the Boer War for a newspaper in 1899? Well, this is was it the morning one. suits, the dress shirts, and the top hats? Was it Shakespeare, Keats, and Coleridge, or was it wine, aged scotch, and brandy? Was this the one? Was this when he was captured and, and escaped? Because he, he escaped well, a POW know. camp in in, in oh, the well, Boer War, I think. This, well, this was when he this was when he was sent out by a newspaper, and I think it might even have been the it might even have been the mail. Was the mail up and running in eighteen ninety nine? I think he was. Um, I think he was working for a couple of newspapers because one of them was the Morning Star, right? I think. I, I, that well, is it a, definitely wasn't them. What's your answer anyway? 
but it would have been uh, not the what do, what do I mean? Anyway, I'll think about that and come back to you. I reckon it's the wine. Winston Churchill went to the Boer War and he actually did take 36 bottles yes. of wine, 18 bottles of scotch and six bottles of brandy That's with him to war. That's extraordinary. <laughs> well, it's I've got, great, a, I've got a, it? a similar, more modern story. The, the wonderful Chris Moncrief, legendary um, oh, Press yeah. Association political editor, um, who I only knew once he was teetotal, but some of the hell-raising stories about him are, are legendary and an absolute gent, the nicest man you'll ever meet. Um, no one was, no one had better, better, um, better contacts in the eighties during that Thatcher period than than Chris. But he was one of the first guys sent out to the Falklands, um, and he supposedly arrived uh, to be sent out there with one one suit, uh, one notepad, one pen, and twenty four cans of Guinness. That is absolutely superb. <laughs> But not as very, impressive very as good. not as impressive as all that wine. I presume Churchill employed someone just to carry his wine around with him while he was while he was going to war. I mean, you'd need to, you'd need a massive wow, I mean, thirty six bottles of wine. Jeez. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> uh, and finally, uh, in July twenty nineteen, Andrea Jenkins suffered whiplash and concussion as a result of what? Well, I remember and the this options one. were. Uh, oh, on. you remember it? Yeah, yeah. Go on, go on. The options are bizarre gardening accident. She fell off stage while singing opera, because she is an opera singer, as we know. Yeah. Or she swung on her chair during a meeting. Um, uh, she was swinging on a chair. She was swinging on a chair during a meeting and was taken to hospital, suffering from whiplash and concussion. Yeah. Um, as a result, don't swing on your chair. Don't go out unless it's for essentials. What? Stay six foot away from everybody <laughs> and do not swing on your chair during a Teams meeting or Skype or anything like that, or Zoom. Churchill was employed uh, as a freelancer writing for the Daily Mail and the Morning Post. Of course, not the Morning Star. There we go. Okay. So I'm glad we've cleared that up. It was the day, yeah, amazing. 36 bottles of wine, 18 bottles of scotch, 6 bottles of brandy. What do you reckon that took him? A couple of weeks? Uh, yeah, that was just for the, the trip, I guess. That was um, the trip. <laughs> but then he that was, was his equivalent of getting cans for the train. Yeah, <laughs> tin and tonic on the train. Yeah, he was he was captured. I'm just reading about it now. He was captured. He was in a PW camp in Pretoria, and uh, he, uh, he he escaped over the latrine wall. Is that right? Yeah, that's incredible, imagine, isn't it? I imagine. I imagine he uh, he was visiting the latrine quite often if he was drinking all that wine and brandy and stuff. I was going to. Do you think you, they would let him take his wine in with him if he were captured? <laughs> it, it was a different or, era. Or do you think? Or do you think that it, exactly? Or do you think that spurred his, his need to escape? There's not even any lager. How old, was, how old was he when he died, Churchill? He was, Churchill. He was, nine, he was 90. That is a life he had well a good lived. In, he had a very good innings. For a man that took as much as all did. that wine to war with him, to still be alive at age 90, that, that fills my heart with joy. <laughs> brilliant. Extraordinary. Brilliant story. Right, right, the Brexiteers of the week. Yes, please. Uh, we start with David Curtin. Do you remember David Curtin? I'm not sure if I do. He is a member of the London Assembly. Right. He was uh, a leading UKIPper. Right. He is a very large gentleman. He is uh, from the uh, BAME community, so a rarity in UKIP. 
he is now representing the Brexit Alliance um, on the... Um, oh, I remember the, uh, him. I do remember yeah, him, yes. Yeah, I've yeah. met him, actually. Yes, I do remember him very well. Uh, and he has tweeted, things the, the UK does not need. And he's, put, he's made a list. <laughs> the EU, the WHO, HS2, the Labour Party, carbon oh. trading. I don't even know what carbon <laughs> trading is. 5G, hate speech laws, the BBC, <laughs> the MSM, celebrities... <laughs> Celebrities, no small celebrities, gender studies and mass immigration. Right. Well, do you know um, what I would say to Mr. Curtin? I would say, Mr. Curtin, pull yourself together. Ah, oh, brilliant. Eh? I was going to say, he's, he's, not as, he's not as funny as he was in this country, is he? But, um, <laughs> but there you go. Uh, no. I, did ask, I did ask people on Twitter what, what things that they think the UK does not need. Yeah, uh, at Joker's Taylor said, whistling on a Tuesday. Whistling on a Tuesday? Uh, whistling, he, he thinks whistling on a Tuesday should be banned in Britain, which I think oh. is quite good. Because, you know, I think whistling should be kept for later in the week. And in fact, maybe no whistling in lockdown. It's no. too cheery. Yeah. Uh, have you, uh, uh, when, you, when you're out doing your, your exercise, Steve, have you, are you noticing a, a strange tendency for people to smile at each other? Yes. It is yes. very off-putting. Yeah, I don't know I'm just what to taking do. delivery of a mask. Though um, my mask has finally arrived from Amazon, so I'll, so I'll, no one would be able to see my, me smiling. Well, I've, um, people keep smiling at me. For the first few days, I thought my fly was undone or something. <laughs> or I had something, and then I realised that the, people were just being. It was like like living in the country or something. Living in the countryside. Yeah, quite nice, smiling, isn't it? You know, it's, it's, yeah. a gentleman said to me the other day, "Morning," and I was like. What's going on here then? What? I thought. Well, I thought he was he was obviously engaging me in in chatter so that his ne'er do well friend who was hiding around the corner could rob my wallet or something. But no. But no. It's just lockdown. Lockdown. Cheery bants. Lockdown. You know? Cheery. Cheery bants. Lockdown bants. So I've started. Uh, I've started saying. To, I've started complimenting people. You know. Oh, that's nice. Nice beard. Like your hot pants, you know that kind of thing. Right. It's not going down oh, yeah. as well. Not going down yeah, quite don't, as well. Don't 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 compliment people's pants. <laughs> uh, more things that should be banned. At Norwich now said pickled beetroot and Ipswich Town. Oh man! At pickled Paul Malley and said parsnips. Oh, God, parsnips and Delia Absolutely. Smith. Oh yeah. At, well, I'm not Delia. At rap, rhapsodic journo said aubergine. Aubergines. Why? Uh, Isabel at Isabel Rollings, who I presume is. Just Isabel Rollins said, Brexiteers, the Tory party, privately owned essential services, pay inequality, privatisation of the NHS, scrapping of school meals and pay rises for MPs. That Dawn sounds like Tibble that. Said, Do you remember that song from the 80s called Imperfect List? Oh, yeah, yeah. What, Dawn Tibble said, hedge funders and tax dodgers. Uh, Pink Partridge said, having to go to work stacking shelves with uh, every day, with the vast majority of underpaid UK citizens that keep this country going, putting themselves at risk. Uh, Cross Rob said, um, when David Curtin said he wanted the WHO banned, I agree with him, because Roger Daltrey is a prick. <laughs> uh, and Andrew Rayburn said the obvious answer would be ban David Curtin. So, well, that that would solve probably all those problems. <laughs> it would solve mm -hmm. any problems. Next Brexiteer of the week is Mike Green. He stood for uh, the Brexit Party in Peterborough and lost twice. 
Yes. He lost at the general election. He also <laughs> lost at the by-election cause uh, when Fiona Ossetunia was um, was recalled. Do you remember all of this? They said they really expected to win that seat. The British yeah, yeah. Party they lost by, by eight, they lost by eight hundred votes. They lost by six hundred and eighty-three yeah. seats um, uh, to Lisa Forbes, who, who has uh, since lost to the Tories, obviously. And um, some of the claims of vote rigging, not necessarily by uh, Mike Green, um, were remarkable. Two, two of my favourites were um, that. Uh, thousands of Muslims have been bust- these were re- re- complaints that the council received thousands of Muslims were bussed in to vote and paid £10 each to vote Labour um, <laughs> uh, the re- council there. responded there is no evidence of this happening uh, and then one said people have been seen at polling stations deliberately erasing people's <laughs> papers and remarking them what? Uh, pens should be used and pencils so this cannot happen and the council responded by saying, well, not only can you not get into ballot boxes to erase people's papers, uh, but the pencils that are used in polling stations are actually made of a special kind of lead, which does not erase, but just smudges. Mm. I don't know if you, mm. I think a little bit of election uh, election triv there for people. But Mike Green, uh, the, him and the Brexit party now facing costs, uh, all Labour's costs, um, and that could estimated uh, in the £400,000 uh, and upwards region. The funny thing um, about that, the other funny thing about that was, um, I, I uh, one, of, one of our reporters wrote that story up this week, and I and I subbed the, I had a look at the copy and subbed the copy, and the 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 Brexit party basically just denied that it was the case. No, that's not the ruling. That's all. It, it is. It's <laughs> no, no, <laughs> that was it. That was the. No, no, that's it. No, nope. I think you're fine. I think you're fine. You're wrong. Are you going to believe the evidence of me or your lying eyes? Is it one of those? <laughs> Very odd. Brilliant. Very odd. But the Brexiteers of the week, and it's a joint Brexiteer. Ooh. Uh, Darren Grimes, our old mate. Grimes. He'll be all right once um, he's in lockdown. He'll be. He will he'll spend be. all his money. He'll be. He'll have Amazon deliveries coming. People in. keep putting. People keep putting money through his letterbox, <laughs> don't they? Um, Darren Grimes and yeah. Dominic Raab. Although his letterbox, if you think, I've just thought about this because he said. He said, Boris Johnson, I would vote for Boris Johnson even if he urinated through my mum's letterbox. Do you remember? <laughs> yeah, he did. So he's living he's, he's well, that is, Was that the same letterbox that they put the £675,000 through well, for him to spend on whatever he liked? Okay. Imagine if Boris Johnson urinated on a big <laughs> wad of banknotes that somebody had put through. I'd be really annoyed by that. I wouldn't vote for him in those circumstances, and neither should you. No. Anyway... <laughs> Anyway, don't urinate through my letterbox don't, when you, you recover them. Don't urinate through any letterboxes. No, that is my don't. that is my tip to you. I, I, I guess exactly. It, probably, those ones that are down on down on the floor, they'd be quite hard to urinate through, wouldn't they? Some some are low, yeah, they're, aren't oh, they? I've never oh, yeah. some, the, the ones in the middle, they'd, they'd be okay. That'd be fine. But you've got to be careful because um, some of those things they snap back whoosh, like that. You know, you could do yourself a disservice, and you don't want. To... Well, you'd have to, you'd have to, you'd have to use the left hand, wouldn't you? Listen, or, if, or yeah, if exactly. I hear, hold, if I hold hear, it open. I'm serious now. If I hear that any of you guys have been hospitalised with with injuries to your genitalia because you've been peeing through letterboxes, I am going to be furious because the, the NHS has got enough to deal with at the moment without you. Quite right. Wise words, mate. Yeah. Um, and uh, Darren Grimes and Dominic Raab, 
uh, oh, the Brexit of the week because Darren Grimes has, has tweeted this. He, he tweeted, Dominic Raab knows about fighting. He's a karate black belt that trained and fought so hard he had to have a hip replaced. Now, what? In, in, in the great... So first of all, why you know what, what's that got to do with the price of fish? What's what's that got to do with Dominic Rob's fitness to run the country in the absence of the prime minister? But two, is, you know, I don't remember the sort of I've seen quite a lot of Bruce Lee films and similar you know <laughs> films in my youth. I watched an awful lot of martial arts films, yeah. and I remember the sort of the you know they usually follow a pattern, don't they? Where a young sort of you know, a young sort of neophyte is trained by the sensei and then they ascend through the ranks and all of that. And I don't remember the sort of, you know, after the the, the, the ultimate rank being to kick somebody so hard that you have to, that you break your own hip and have to have it replaced. Um, you know, Brexity people are obsessed with this sort of thing because do you remember um, um, uh, uh, Bolton, what was he called? Henry... He was oh, always saying how he could t- he could chase a badger and strangle oh, he could it kill a badger with his, with his bare, bare hands. hands. Yeah. And then you've got <laughs> David Davis, who you know he's he's like Gareth from the Office, isn't he? He's got a yes. knife in his sock or whatever. And I don't understand what the I don't understand how this is a thing. You know, I mean, it's quite a good pub story. Well, guess what I once did? Broke my hip doing karate. But it, it it doesn't mean that you're able to lead a country any better than someone who's Never done karate, does it? No, indeed not. So Darren Grimes uh, with his letterbox and Dominic Raab with his replacement hip are the Brexiteers of the week. Congratulations to you both. I think I think that is a return to the top for both of them, certainly for Grimes. Yeah, I'm not sure if Dominic Raab has been Brexiteer of the week before, but Grimes certainly has, hasn't he, on a few occasions, I think. So congratulations, a return to form. Steve, what should the listener do right now? Uh, right now, um, you should um, stay indoors, keep washing your hands. Um, you should go to uh, the neweuropean.co.uk. You can donate towards our um, our fight to uh, to uh, get the uh, UK to return to the European Union and to uh, fight populism. Um, there is no print edition of the New European this week. It's on a two-week break, but our Easter special is still available in shops. Go out and buy that if you haven't done already. Um, you can follow the New European on Facebook and join our Facebook readers group. Um, you can go to the pod, your podcatcher of choice and give us a lovely review. Um, we're really enjoying all the reviews. My son is loving the reviews, especially especially the bad ones. Don't leave a bad one just to in, just because my son will enjoy no, don't, it. Leave a good, um, leave a funny good one, and we'll read it out. How about that? Please, yes, we will read out the best. Um, and uh, and as always, you can follow the New European on Twitter at the New European. You can follow me on Twitter at Sanglesey S A N G L E S C Y. Or you can follow me at Porrit, P-O-R-R-I-T-T. From true crime to football, Brexit to folklore. For more great podcasts from Archant, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archant. That was the New European Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. It means the absolute world to us. If you haven't already, use your allotted exercise or shop visit and go and buy the New Europeans print edition. It's an Easter special, it's massive. There is quizzes and all sorts of arts and culture in there, as well as the obvious 
politics and Brexit. We will be back next week. Until then, Mr Campbell, play your bagpipes. Here you go. One other thing I'm learning from this crisis is that I've got a very big ear. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.